very warm welcome back to the Dara Flaherty show. I'm so excited to talk to Dara. I haven't talked to anyone in ages. This lockdown is driving me crazy. I really do feel like I'm in prison. So how have you been Dara? Ha- well, uh, you know, I'm, I, I never took to it. I, I never took to the lockdown at all. I never took to any of the social distancing. I never wore a mask. Well, not never. There are occasions, I, uh, single occasions I wore a mask just for uh, simplicity, you know. But uh, no, I never I never took to the lockdown. I, I move around quite a bit. I move around freely. Uh, I don't take uh, any of this nonsense from anybody. You know, I've gotten arrested and I've even spent time in jail over it. But um, it's, it's worth it to have my dignity, you know. Um, that's the first place we all have to start is to get our own dignity back Absolutely. before we start to fight for our, our, our respective countries. And now that they've had so much power for such a long time and we've been so complacent for such a, a long time, we've kind of agreed to everything. I don't know whether they'll ever go back. Well, did you see uh, the Isle of Wight uh, lifted their lockdown recently and the scenes of jubilation? Yeah, some guy went around to the pubs and such, the community places, you know, and just everybody was so happy to see everybody else again, you know. It was yeah. really uplifting to, to, to watch. And just that, you know, even with a year of lockdown, it still didn't destroy their community. It's still They still came back together. Not quite as though it never happened. And I think maybe even with a renewed sense of how important Freedom. our community is to, to, our, to our well-being, you know. So it was really nice to see those guys enjoying a few pints and having a crack and playing a game of cards and you know it was it was really uplifting increased um, mental unwellness of our nation and depression and the return to addiction alcoholism uh, drug addiction even domestic violence has gone through the roof yeah. you know so it has had a huge effect on on our our psyche as a nation and um it has done a vast amount of damage but then as well the conditioning that we've put on our kids now that's very scary as well you know that there's a generation of irish young children that have had been exposed to this kind of totalitarianism and this kind of um government overreach and uh like to see to talk to parents i don't have any children myself um, but I, I know a lot of parents and to see the you know, when I visit their houses and talk to their kids and just the way they talk about being forced to wear a mask be forced to socially distance to treat their buddies as though they were some kind of toxic germ factory you know uh, it, it's all based in, in, in communism you know it's all like the teachers unions are very strong and a lot of teachers are very socialist uh, very very communist and um, you know they 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 relish this this level of control of communists. My son had a woodwork class. Now, nothing to do with global warming or what they call it now, um, climate change. But he suddenly, now this is a woodwork class and he can't obviously do woodwork online. So he started off about the trees and carbon emission. And one of the, the kids said, do you think, you know, um, the climate change is worse than the corona? And the teacher said, no, actually... In fact, you know, Corona, I know it feels bad at the moment, but it will be over where climate change is never going to go away. You know, it's it's here for us for life. And in fact, the Corona has been doing great things for carbon emissions because people aren't driving. They're not moving around and it's much better now. So it's, we're actually saving the planet by being in COVID. It's like, wow, complete. They have it on 
every blood this is a woodwork class i wouldn't mind if it was like yeah but i'm like going do they ever stop every chance that they have is just batter them with this bullshit they constantly frame our position as being a counter position you know they they, they tell us that we, we don't believe in climate change when actually what we're saying is is that the climate has always changed that's why we have the word climate yeah so we can get categorize climate over periods of time so we don't have a counter position to climate change climate change is real it's been happening for billions of years it is never ever going to stop happening the, the only issue is is it man-made and is it caused by carbon and the only science you can find to prove that is junk science and the way you know it's junk science is because you're not allowed to criticize it. Yeah. Science, the scientific um, principle is that you create a theory, it's open to criticism. If it withstands the criticism, we, we'll, we'll accept it as useful. But it is not, it at no point ever becomes impervious to criticism. So you, you can never say that all well, the science has decided because science by definition means that it has to be open to debate at all times because new information comes up new theories come up and uh, you know things have to be revised so when we when we're criticizing man-made climate change uh, and all we encounter is name calling and character assassination and isolation from the community that's your proof that's all you need to know that they're not basing their their um, assertions in science that they're basing them in ideology Absolutely. Another interesting thing, they were in what was supposed to be, you know, the really worst area in the UK. They come from Kent, which is supposed to be the worst area. And they said there was people there who are being paid to get this thousand, I think it was a thousand a month to do tests. So they're paying them to keep the numbers up and up and up. Like it's... Keep getting retested, is it? Yeah, to test themselves, like every day, do a test to keep the numbers up. They're being paid oh, by God. a company. They're paying people to actually do the tests. Yeah, the Irish health system. We're towards the end of the, the natural flu season now, and the Irish health system hasn't recorded a single case of the normal flu this year. No, no surprise there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And they were very much convinced about the whole COVID and funny enough until they went back to the UK and they were in the so-called worst area and they, they were, they came back convinced it's all been complete lies. We've seen people being paid for these things because I was anti it, I never believed in it and they thought I was being ridiculous until they went back to the UK and said no, we actually believe you now, we've seen people being paid, we know people who are being paid. Well, I, I know one person uh, that was hospitalised with COVID. I, I believe I know that one person. If, if if everything is true, then this person fits the category of COVID hospitalisation. Now, that's that's making a lot mm. of assumptions. But let's give them that one case. Yeah. That in the last year, I know one person that's been hospitalised with COVID. In the same time frame, I know at least 15 people that have committed suicide. Oh, and gosh. I've spoken to at least 12 people who have been denied service in our hospital for fatal diseases. Oh, God. COVID, they'll let you into the hospital because oh. it'll bump up the, the numbers for hospitalizations for COVID. Yeah, but they won't let you in for anything so else. So that's the only way to get into it. And the other question I would have is, why are they letting people with COVID into the hospital if there's no treatment? Yeah. What are they doing to them in the hospital? Yeah. If there's no, what, what is the treatment these people are receiving in the hospital for weeks on end? Yeah. 
The other thing is they're giving the second dose of vaccines now in the UK and that's where they started to see the deaths and even these guys came back and said, yeah, everyone's talking about it. The first one seems to be fine, but it's the second dose in the UK that's killed off loads of people. Yeah, you know, it's it's like to give somebody in their elderly years a, a vaccine with such a, a high reaction rate, it, se- it, it seems that there's very few people who don't have some kind of reaction, be it swelling or a rash or lethargy or headaches or, you know, there seems to be very few people that didn't suffer some reaction. I haven't heard anybody, in fact, I haven't heard a single case of someone saying, oh, I took the vaccine, didn't, didn't have a bother. You know, it's great, lovely, you know. Um, so to give somebody in the twilight of their years, in a, in, a, in a reduced state of health, a vaccine that you know is going to cause a reaction, to me is is a murder, you know. And, and it, it looks like that they haven't been telling people that it's an experimental vaccine. And to experiment on someone using a chemical um, is, is uh, against the Nuremberg Code. So I don't know who these people think they are, these do-gooders that think they are pushing this vaccine, but they're in very, very serious trouble. You know, this is um, these these experiment, chemical experiments on on uh, masses of people are, are death sentences. You know, um, you know, I, I I may not be the uh, most um, how would I put it law-abiding citizen in, in most recent times regarding uh, COVID lockdowns and all that, but I'm not guilty of a crime that could warrant a death sentence. Yeah. And uh, vast tranches of our civil service and health service are guilty of crimes that warrant a death, death sentence. And they know it. And now they, they are panicking. And the, the train has run away from them. And they don't know how to stop it. And all they can do is continue with the lie. Yeah. And it's it's heinous. But you know, just the government, um, Miho and Martin, it's almost like they're getting ready. There was an argument, um, I don't know whether you saw the French president said that the English vaccine wasn't, you know, very good for the over 65. It wasn't very effective for the over 65. So Miho Martin commented on it, and I thought it was quite interesting the way he said this. He said, it's not up to politicians to comment on a medical um, vaccine. And I just thought that is how they're going to get out of this. When they get caught, they'll say, we didn't know anything. We're government. It wasn't up to us. It was up to the doctors. We only followed policies that we were told by our doctors. I thought, okay, that's how they're going to get out of this. They're going to say we didn't know anything. They're going to try. First of all, ignorance is no excuse. As we all know, it's an adage. We didn't know is not tolerable. That's not a a tolerable excuse. Plus... There's also a provision in the European, no, sorry, the UN Convention of Human Rights, where a consultant cannot be held responsible. So by giving advice to somebody that resulted in a crime being committed, the consultant cannot be held responsible. So the politician cannot, um, what's the word? not abdicate responsibility, but uh, delegate his responsibility to a consultant. If a politician made a decision based on the advice of a consultant, the politician is the one that's responsible. Anybody, anybody who, who does any action based on the advice of somebody else is responsible for that action, not the person who is uh, given the advice. Now, that said, there's a lot of uh, people who give advice who are also culpable 
because there there is a, theirs is a crime of malfeasance. So, um, you know, the, the amount of suffering, death and pain that these people get caught on, have caused, there is no escape. You know, uh, when, when the population finally figures out that this whole thing has been a complete sham, it'll be up to people like you and me to control them and to stop them getting the pitchforks and the torches yeah. and going after them. It'll be up to you and me to make sure that these people are held up uh, in front of our community and, and get justice. Yeah. And um, I, I'm certainly up to the task. Absolutely, me too. Um, it's just it's amazing time that we're living in. The, the amount of kind of lies. I don't know what you've been watching the Biden situation. Like he's literally closing off all the money lines. So any way that the Americans working class and middle class can make money, he's really going after the whole not just Trump, but people who voted for Trump. They're trying to link in, like, a comment this woman had said had suddenly become that she had almost organised the Capitol Hill where, where they broke into. Like, it's just they're putting everything together quite dangerously. So if you say something, um, I think she said the cavalry are... To Trump, she said the cavalry are coming. So because she said the cavalry are coming... Is it like um, not hate speech? A terrorist. Yeah, she she yeah, is yeah. a domestic terrorist because she is a. Trump. Her words. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah. They're very extreme. But the interesting thing is, I never had much time for Macron in um, France, but lately he seems to be speaking out about a lot of things. He's giving out about you know Facebook and all these big um, corporates being able to silence. A politician and I, I was like thinking that's quite good even Paul who I can't stand was talking out about that as well so there's a few people in Europe speaking out about it which is quite yeah, good I, I, I don't buy it Bonner, I have to say you know yeah, uh, Macron is under immense Blame pressure you. from yeah. uh, Marine Le Pen and he, he is tokenism you know yeah. and it's the same with um, your one in Germany way out and now she wants to leave kind of put a couple of little seals on the end of her, her term Oh, well, I was actually all along, I was, this is how I felt, you know, yeah. all along I felt this way. And, um, you know, it's, I don't buy it at all. These people are responsible for the most heinous acts across our continent since World War II, the mass rape of women, yeah. the mass murder and terrorist attacks. This is right That's on true. their doorstep. Yeah. They, their blood is on their hands and they are the ones that are responsible. And no amount of uh, rhetoric at this point is going to save their asses. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Because um, he has come out Macron and started talking about, you know, Muslims and stuff. But a little bit too little, too late. Like, way too late. Way too late. Yeah. Way too late and way too little. And they all knew what they were doing to Europe. They did. Yeah. And the Irish yeah, government knew what they were doing to Ireland. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I wouldn't take, yeah, what he's saying. But it's interesting that he's coming out. But I think you're right. It's probably to do with Le Pen. She's obviously doing very well that he's yeah, yeah. having to kind of pretend he's some, some way similar to her. Yeah, he, he's fearful is what it is. He's, he's, he's realised now that his neck is on the line. It's not just his, his presidency. It's not just his office. It's that he will be charged. He will be brought up on charges of all kinds of heinous crimes uh, if, if he uh, doesn't retain power. You know, so this is also the problem. This is why you get so much corruption in, in, in politics is because once they start to be corrupt, they have to retain power. 
not just to retain the corruption, but if, if they don't retain power, then it, it could be uncovered. Their corruption could be uncovered and they could be prosecuted. So that's why you see a lot of these politicians. They never retire. They have to go into their dotage before you could, you could even think about them retiring. Because if they lose grip on power, then they'll be investigated and, and um, prosecuted. And they bring some other drain the swamp. It wasn't just for America, it was for Europe. And I wonder, did this lockdown bring it home to people how important their community is? I really hope it did, you know. I, th- I think it did for some, but I also think it's brought a huge amount of depression and a lot of people became even more isolated and I think it's definitely probably caused a lot of suicides and a serious amount of depressions. I think when we're, if this ever ends, the hospitals will really be packed, but this time for mental illness um, and I don't know whether it'll ever recover financially, yeah. mentally, the Irish, because... For whatever reason in our DNA, our mental health has never been great. Like we're great when we're great, when we're bad. We're a bit like bipolar most of the time as a nation, <laughs> um, which is, we don't have, anyway, yeah. yeah, we don't have that English thing where they're always just seem to be middle line. They just seem to reach that other Germans, you know, or the Scandinavians or all those Northern European Stick countries. Yeah, they seem to be able to just have that. We seem to be much more like Southern European we're not able to hold it together. We're like either really happy and more and more happy. We're the best in the world. We want to sing. We want to dance. We're brilliant crack to be around. And when we're miserable, we are seriously miserable. Where, you know, other countries, northern kind of European countries never reach the, the highs or the lows, which is, you know, and we are going to reach the lows, which is really very frightening for, for us as a nation. Well, you know, we're actually a very, very smart bunch of people. We have a very average high intelligence in this country and that's actually quite a burden because you know you recognize your problem and you recognize how serious it is and you can think deeply about that problem so it's not a superficial thing with us We, we think deeply about our problems and we care deeply about other people's problems and that can you know it leads us to great happiness but it also leads us to great sadness too and it's not a superficial thing. We know how serious things can be, and we can appreciate it. So I often say it's a fine line between uh, genius and madness, and at best we straddle it. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. I mean, I mean, you see about all the interesting poets and writers and musicians and artist types of people, whether it's music or whether it's art or writing. I mean, or even Oscar Wilde or James Joyce or Brenda Bickin. I mean, there's just lists of them. Well, you know, like it was the safety and security uh, of Ireland that allowed that, that people could let their guard down and be themselves and walk around in complete safety. Uh, for so long, it allowed us to become very, it allowed the creative side of our mind to show and we, we can actually be quite... Um, jocular and fun and, and you know we let our guard down in public quite easily or at least we used to yeah. you know so I, I think uh, one of the, the the hostages of the current situation is the Irish cre- creativity and the Irish uh, uh, ability to create good writing works and um, you know fun and, and, and uh, song that is hostage currently to the uh, to the to the, to the lockdown and to COVID nineteen. To say something about communism, so people that uh, have a better picture of what's actually going on and how structured it all is, and um, that is that if you remember old communism behind the iron curtain, 
that was based in uh, surveillance of your telephone and your speech they could the communism that time could exercise control over you by listening into what you were saying to your community locally and by what you were saying on the phone and when when they found something they didn't like they come and they got you and they took you away and tortured you and da, da, da. that went on then in later years we got the internet and we got email and people could transfer files and people could communicate on the internet and that allowed communism to exert even more control in people's lives so the level of control of the communist had had gotten increased the level of communism in the society increased along with the level of technology that could be used to enforce the communism so it, the state became more communist as its ability to control its people through technology became more communist and where we are today is is top level communism because we have you know so much uh, technology in our lives that they can literally control and observe every aspect of our lives now they're observing this phone call they're observing the person listening on the radio they're observing uh, cameras outside uh, all around us so as the technology and the ability to control people in level of communism in your life is increasing so this is there's no accidents here this is this is the next level that they the the communists who wish to control the planet they've they've got the technology they need now to control everybody's life all the time all around the planet and mm. they're determined to do it absolutely and they're now you have to rat on your neighbors if they're not wearing masks and in england they brought in i don't know whether they brought it in yet or they were talking about bringing in their children should rat on their parents they brought in some sort of and not shitting you absolutely yeah. ridiculous talk yeah, about Stalin like actually built a statue for a child that ratted on his parents and um, Stalin had so such a great uh, control over his, his population that back in the day a child was a child ratted out his father and the father was taken away and tortured to death and oh Stalin built a, a statue to this child and he was Stalin was holding the child's hand in the statue and the child was looking up to Stalin and this child was held up as a hero to the whole nation uh, that he had the courage to, to rat out his parents for the common good, for the good of the people, you know. Oh, so there's nothing new in that um, to to uh, encourage communists to encourage their children to, to rat out their parents. It's absolutely vile and disgusting. It really is. I, I can't think of anything worse to do to a child to actually, um, for them to be told that that was a good thing. And, oh, my God, that's so disturbing. But, yeah, that's happening in the UK that they want this happening. It's hard to know where this is going to end, really. I mean, now that Trump's gone, um, I know he's in the background, but media, it's getting very scary. They're definitely going after all what they see as conservative people. They blame them for all the ills that's ever happened in America without even mm. really understanding history. They, they, blame, they blame everything. And it's like the restaurants, they won't be able to afford to hire people. If you keep charging them taxes and they've brought up the minimum wage to $15 per hour and people are saying we won't be able to hire everybody. There's no way we can keep our business yeah. going. Like there doesn't seem to be really an awful lot of thought into this. He's like, oh, this is great. We'll just give oh, everybody, no. you know, higher up their minimum wages. It's, it's not, you know, we I, people, people do this all the time. They make excuses. Oh, look, he's just making a mistake. It's an error. It's an error of judgment afford to make yeah. that allowance for anybody in, in authority right. anymore we must assume that this is their intention 
that this is the the intention of what they're doing. It's not that they're misguided yeah. or misunderstand. That if these people keep making similar kind of mistakes over and over again, that's not a mistake. It's yeah. their intention. It's the intention of these laws. Like if you look at the law in Ireland regarding mask wearing, it's acceptable, or it's the law in Ireland that you can enter a health facility like a hospital with no mask and the doctor in the health facility can treat you with no mask. So what that means is that a COVID patient, somebody who has COVID-19, is perfectly entitled to go into a hospital with COVID-19 and be treated by a person, uh, a doctor, with no mask. So to me, that looks like that law is intended to spread COVID-19 in the hospitals. Yeah. To have always taken control of countries is to create the chaos and then the people will need a solution. And of course, the media will be there to foist the, the, the communist. Um, you, you might get a choice between three communist dictators and then you'll pick one of the three communists because he has the solution to your problems. So this is what they do over and over again. And it's not just, the, we, we say, we talk about destroying the economy, but really what they're doing is they're destroying the supply chains. They're destroying the supply chain for diesel, for food, and for electricity. They're just destroying all of your infrastructure. They're destroying your health system. They're destroying all of the things that make society work. So when you say crash the economy, that's what they're doing. So when the economy goes down and you can't afford to pay your bond to the IMF or to the European Bank, how are you going to run your services that you need for, for if they won't give you any more euros? Now you can't pay ambulance drivers, you can't pay the police, you can't pay the army, you can't pay anybody. So now your society is destroyed. So you can't separate the two. Yeah. The, the economy and, and society are, are codependent. So by destroying the economy, you destroy society. He's done some sort of crazy things. Ring um, and say he's a female and box the life out of a female. And this is going to destroy all sports, but boxing is going to be extremely dangerous. Um, yeah. If you're a man, you can just say, oh, I'm." and why wouldn't you? You get paid a load of money. Plus, what do you have to do say you're a woman? And how how has no one explained why no females have have uh, won any titles in men's sports? Yeah, we're all we're all the same. Exactly. We're all the same. Yeah. So for all the same, why do we even need the title of men and women then? Why is it even up for debate? Why why does one why do you have to identify as one of the other? The other. For all the well, same? they don't want us to. They actually yeah, don't want us to. No, but what I mean is, if if a person who is naturally biologically a woman feels that gender, there's no such thing as gender. Why would they feel the need to identify as a man? Yeah. If there's no such thing, you know. Yeah, it's it's just it's, it's just, just bizarre. It's a world, you know. I mean, it, <laughs> I actually I don't even like talking about it because it hurts my brain, to be honest. The other, the other, okay, apart from destroying the fabric of society and undermining the all things natural and all that, which is the obvious thing, but they're also they're occupying so much effort and time and airwaves and brain power with the ridiculous. Yeah. Instead of talking about issues that have consequence in the world, in the real world, you know, the advance of communism, the advance of poverty, you know, yeah. the advance of heinous uh, religious practices, um, instead of instead of talking about real issues, people are preoccupied. Oh, you're right, absolutely. Stupid, 
Rebellious. And almost and out of frustrated because you're trying to explain to um, um, these the media and what they're, they're doing is that they're, we can't then get together with these people and fight for the serious issues uh, when they have us divided on stupid stuff. Absolutely. You know, stupid, intractable, unresolvable. Like when you're in a conversation about penises and vaginas yeah. and their interchange of gingibility, how, how do you ever reconcile with this person in order to go and fight oppression yeah. when you can't even agree on who has a penis and who has a vagina and did you take your propaganda now today you have three doses of propaganda okay. today make sure you swallow it all because uh, uh, we won't be you're not allowed on the reservation otherwise yeah. and they're, they're willing to hand over all of their existence rather than deal with the horrible nature of the world you know, that these people don't believe that they have any enemies. If you ask them, ask them, name a group that's trying to destroy your life today. You know, that we won't, no, don't talk about extremist Muslims. That we oh, don't no. talk about, uh, They'll uh, probably uh, talk about conservatives. Talk about yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Not the, there's nobody. There is yeah. nobody on the planet uh, trying to hurt this person at all. He has no enemies because he can't consider a world where he has a single enemy. And you notice even, like I used to when I was in Dublin, always talk to the homeless. They're even like this as well. It's freezing. I don't know where you are like at the moment, but it's freezing up here. And I'm just thinking of those people. They were dying on the streets and they're so worried about coming across as being racist. You have a conversation with them. Well, you see, it's conditioning, you know, that their handouts are dependent. Whatever meagre handouts they get, you know, be it their dole, be it a sleeping bag from the, the charity, the leftist NGO they're dealing with, um, be it a sick kitchen from the leftist NGO they're dealing with. And there would be, a, they're, they're, those people are completely dependent on their community. They cannot sustain themselves. And to be isolated from your community is the number one threat. Yeah. So if they're begging on the street and someone goes over, that guy said something racist, no one will give him any money. You know, or they, they, you know, so yeah, they, they have to fit in. They have to fit into the community and to the dominant ideology, or their date, their lives depend on it. The only little bit of um, relief that they get comes from leftist uh, NGOs and leftist charities. And if they're known as somebody like I myself, I, I was living in a, in a homeless shelter, and I, I stood up to a uh, mayor, and uh, um, I was turfed out of the homeless shelter the following day. Oh God! Yeah, the following day. That's disgraceful. Met homeless. It was actually my birthday. Oh my god! On my birthday, I was thrown out of the homeless shelter that I was living in, and uh, on the day after, I took the the mayor of Galway apart for his stance on 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 the failures of our health system to treat uh, people with fatal diseases and and, uh, the ridiculousness of wearing masks and not telling people that they cause uh, uh, bacterial infections and that they have to be changed every hour and you know Was that recently Dara? That's um, well it was the 15th of October which is my birthday Um, Just in October gone you were at homeless were you? Yeah I was homeless for five years yeah Yeah. Yeah. but I have a house now at the moment I have I'm in in shared accommodation with a, a some very nice people and we all get on very well and uh, just immediately prior to uh, our phone call I was giving one of them a lecture on, on communism and he's very receptive you yeah. know so uh, like I discussed this with my girlfriend all the time like how, how are we supposed to start a family yeah. and uh, we can't even live in the same house 
you know how, how are we supposed to have a relationship when you have to live over there and I have to live over here and there's no way out of it you know and like if you if you roll that out across the country how, how what, what damage are we doing to Irish families yeah. by having overpriced houses so that landlords can uh, have more wages and politicians can have a research project when I became homeless I don't mind saying this now you know yeah. but I actually got became very connected with uh, homeless services in, in Galway and I spoke to a, I got an opportunity to have an influence on homeless services in Galway um, I was on a number of committees and boards helping helping um, um, advocate for homeless people uh, I know I know so many homeless people from Galway you know I know well over a hundred homeless people in Galway I would regard as my personal friends uh, I've advocated for all kinds of people be it uh, dizzy people with HIV um, the elderly um, disabled people all kinds of people have asked me for help because they know first of all that they could trust me that I was yeah. one of them and that they could they could tell me their story without fear of judgment and then that gave me a much stronger position to go and advocate on their behalf and to be honest, a lot of these homeless services, uh, hostel type places, they don't really work without a couple of sane people around the place, without a couple of people with no uh, underlying issues around the place, you know. They keep uh, the conversation flowing and it doesn't descend into madness all the time. So it was like... Um, it's what disgraceful it? though in this day and age. I have known two two females who became homeless Um now one both of them no fault of their own one the landlord had come back she was renting it she was renting but it was subsidized from the government um and the landlord had said that she wanted to sell the house and she gave her a certain amount of time to get out and she couldn't get a house for whatever amount of money so what they did was they they kind of they put her into like one of this rundown hotels yeah. which was mainly they put the refugees into actually but but at least it was a bed and it was like I mean she was looking in a way because again I knew another girl um, who they're just there's no houses in particular certain areas in Dublin there's just no council houses and they will, will admit you if they get pushed up on, on the housing list and yeah. the non-Irish are being pushed back and that's just the way it is exactly which is exactly. really disgraceful so- half the population is homeless to me if you don't have a fireplace a front garden a back garden and if you don't live in security in other words if you don't have if you can't go outside your door for fear of being accosted in some way you are homeless that's not a home it might be a house it might be um, a place you go to sleep but it's not a home it's not somewhere you can rear a family and um, have them grow up uh, balanced human beings you know so that like that's what a home is a home is a place where you can rear a family eat sleep uh, dream uh, have birthday parties have confirmations and communions and you know it's it's the facility you use to to um live your life and if that's not what you're doing in your house if you're not living your life the way you want to live then you're homeless you don't have a home so um, fair enough I may have taken it to the extreme but I'm a single man as I, well I was at the time a single man I was I have no children and I had no assets that could take off me so I felt it was my duty to engage this service and try and improve it to some degree and to advocate for the people and to really get an understanding of what homelessness is and um, what's going on there Dracker came out a couple of years ago 
Uh, now they haven't done it since because I pulled them on it and I made a big deal about it. But a couple of years ago, Vracker came out and he said he was tackling homelessness, and they had a budget of 1.6 billion, not million, billion, mm. to deal with homelessness that year. Jesus. And the pre that was that was up from the previous year of 1.2 billion. And this is at a time when we had 200,000 houses vacant in the country owned by the banks. Yeah. And we were selling them Nama, at 5,000 euros a piece to vulture funds. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with houses or homelessness. What it has to do with is an industry of homeless services that has thousands of people employed in very well-paid jobs. Very, very well. Everybody you see working in homeless services comes out of college with a degree. Yeah. And they need a job for that degree. And that degree is getting them 40, 50, 60,000 euros a year to be taxed. I'd say for every homeless person in the country, there is at least two homeless services providers working on their behalf. God, that's crazy. It's nuts. It is. It has nothing to do with homelessness. And it's just an industry that develops massive amounts of... of um, revenue for the state look at it this way why if you have a person who's down on their luck why would you have them sitting in their house paying them 200 euros a year when you could have them living on the street causing work for the guardie causing work for homeless services causing work for addiction services causing work for um court services and jail services and so instead of this person paying them 200 and whatever it is a week on the dole uh, you could have him with a load of problems living on the street causing more problems for other people that need more money to fix it so it's all money into the exchequer all the time God yeah very well said listen Dara thank you so much for your time and for coming on and talking I'm looking forward to speaking to you next week to see fantastic listen thank you so much for your time and your your thoughts it's been brilliant as per usual Dara I've really enjoyed it lovely talking to you again Pat Slonger Magadar. Slong, slong.
very warm welcome back to the Dara O'Flaherty show. I'm so excited to talk to Dara. right 